Hi, and welcome to a special edition of Gamers Explain. This is the 14th and final episode of season one of Gamers Explain. And what better way to wrap up a season than to bring in the founder of Gamers Plane, Kellef. And so we, Kellef and I, ended up just finishing moments ago talking about Gamers um, Explained for two hours. So uh, here we have a pleased to present to you a special treat, Krawlock versus Kellef. Hi, and welcome to Gamers Explained. I'm Krawlock and I have with me Kellef. Kellef hey. is, is the <clears throat> hardworking, um, dedicated founder of Gamers Plane. And uh, um, I've watched a couple of interviews that you've done with the um, number 80 of the Dungeon Masters Block podcast and, and then the Modifier podcast. And both of those were recorded in 2016. And yeah. um, they're surprisingly relevant today. You just covered great material and, um, yeah. and <clears throat> asked a lot of questions that I don't think need to be answered asked again, but I'm going to. <laughs> so uh, to tell us a little bit about yourself, you're a software engineer? Yeah, so uh, software engineer, um, been working for, for a while now, over a decade, a um, couple of different fields, wound up in healthcare for a bit. Most recently, I've been at a, a fitness company called Mirror. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've been doing I started software back in eighth grade. I built my first website in eighth grade, um, <laughs> which was 25, 20, 25. I don't know. It was a long time ago. <laughs> so I've always enjoyed programming. Um, and I've always enjoyed like doing my own projects. Uh, and, and that's, I mean, that's the core stem of, I think, where Gamers Plane came from. Uh, some 15-ish years ago. Sounds about right. It's been long enough now that I have difficulty determining when it actually was, but right. yeah. So you said in a prior interview that um, you started gaming in university and then had some undisclosed terrible <laughs> incident. <laughs> so I actually did start in high school. Um, okay. Played my first RPG in... I think it was freshman year or sophomore year of high school. Um, so sometime around 15-ish. Uh, it was in college where, uh, you know, so separated from my high school friends, was missing RPGs. And I decided to try out the local RPG club at my university. Um, had an extremely, extremely poor first experience that was just basically like, the epitome of stereotypes about our folk um and big smelly guys it was the gm was a large gentleman who had not who smelled like he hadn't bathed in a while um the thing that i always remember is uh, he had a giant bucket of uh, so i didn't have dice at this time um he had a giant bucket of dice and i said like hey, I don't have dice, uh, is it okay if I borrow? And like, he gingerly picked out one set of dice for me to use. 
And I'm just thinking in contrast to every other uh, social game I've had since, where it's like, oh, you don't have dice? Here's a handful that more than you possibly roll ever. Um, you know, that's how most people are, I think. Yeah. Uh, I tend to find the RPG community, for the most part, is very friendly, very social. Um, we do have our outliers, like every community does. And this gentleman happened to be one of them. Um, I would also think it's really funny if he actually wound up on Gamers Plane at some point and like unknowingly is this person I keep talking about on interviews. Um, I've considered that a couple of times, but you know. Um, but yeah, it was a poor experience. I left like five minutes in with the excuse of I'm going to the bathroom and then I just left the student center altogether. Uh, went back to my dorm and was like, I don't think I want to do this again. Yeah. Um, I already have bad social anxiety as it is. That was not a great first experience for me. Um, I used to play World of Warcraft a lot. And um, one of the things you do in a pickup game is like you'd be running a dungeon with just random people is, you know, they yeah. just be terrible, right? And he's like, oh, my connection's breaking up. Disconnect. <laughs> right? I, I got in the habit of killing my Wi-Fi. Yeah. Um, because if my Wi-Fi dies, I, I play League of Legends, and back when the back when the client was much worse, I would kill my internet because the client can't tell the difference between a local internet dying and the actual internet dying. <laughs> and so there are times where I'm like, this game is not going to go anywhere rather than waste my time. Now they've added like um, timeouts when you quit a game, so I can't get away with that anymore. But uh, Back in the day, it's just like, oh no, I timed out. I'll wait the couple of minutes for the game to expire and then I'll start a new game. And mind you, I don't condone it, but there are times where I'm like, I'm an adult. I don't have 50 minutes to waste. Like, uh, yeah, this is the direction I'm going in. Yeah, but going to the bathroom and just keep going, that's uh, that's an early uh, solution too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this was, yeah, I just basically stepped out, and if it wasn't going to be going to the bathroom, it was going to be something else. Like, the, the guy, everyone else at the table was pretty nice. The gentleman running it was not, and I was like, nah, I'm just, like I said, I already had social anxiety about, like, stepping up to the game in the first place. Um, and so when it just kind of went downhill, and I admit, I had a really good group in high school, and so when this just didn't work, I was like, I never understood the... Um, the the stigma against gamers until that exact point basically yeah yeah all of a sudden i'm like oh okay i i see where people get this uh, attitude from yeah <clears throat> so you left the university gaming club and you um, later tried a, a play-by-post site and again had another suboptimal experience <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. Um, I know the site is still alive because a couple of years ago, or at least was as of a couple of years ago, because I did check it out again. Um, but yeah, I played on a play-by-post site, joined a game, um, had again a terrible GM who basically like was just, he was extremely stringent and to the point where like, all right, so as a, as a person who's DM'd plenty of times and will continue doing so through the rest of my life, uh, there's a time when players need to die, or characters need to die. Let me <laughs> clarify. Important um, distinction. But uh, I always feel like character death should serve a purpose. Like, a character being removed from a game is a monumental, impactful event 
that should further the game. And if it doesn't further the game, then it's just a GM getting their rocks off. And this was a position where like, I think I had made like a couple dozen posts and my character died and the GM was very like, oh yeah, well, the dice just went your way. And I'm like, I, okay, that's fine. If that's how you GM, I would have liked to know that up front and I wouldn't have joined your game. Um, and that's kind of what reminded me of the fact that the thing I loved most about gaming with my friends was the friends part. Like the gaming is fantastic, but like we could have been doing anything together and it would have been fun. Um, and that's kind of what inspired Gamers Plane as a community first website. Uh, my goal was to build a community and then have people play games within that community. How did you do that? How did you foster a community? Because I think we'll both agree that the community is pretty tight knit. Yeah, I, I honestly, every time someone brings it up or mentions it, I'm like, I had nothing to do with that or I had minimal work to do with that. Um, I, I think like in a way, uh, so I mean, there are a few things, right? Like I did make sure that one, there was an introductions form. That was something I built pretty early on or like envisioned pretty early on. Um, you know, I, I have the thing, Gamersplain has a feature where you see the player's name if they're posting as a character. Right. Um, and I've seen other places where you can post as a character, but when you post as a character, it kind of isolates you into that character. And I didn't like that idea because like, I don't know who's playing that character. Like, I want to know who that person actually is. Um, so like it was, there's some features on the site that I would say lend to the whole socialization element. I also think that a lot of the people who joined Gamers Plane early on were, in a sense, those same cast-offs from the other communities where, like, they were looking for a place where it wasn't just you come in, you play a game, and you leave. And I think that, I mean, I know that the people who helped establish early Gamers Plane and have continued to reinforce it over the years are the people who are responsible for Gamers Plane being the community it is. Um, you know, as the person who's running it, there's a limit in what I can do to foster community or to grow community. Uh, I can pull people in and I can enforce what I believe are good policies. But people have to follow those policies for the site to really develop in that manner. And so why is Gamers Plane as friendly and as like community driven as it is? Most of that comes down to the people who are playing. Yeah. Yeah, and, and we butt heads. I mean, people butt heads. You and I have probably butted heads. You know, and lots of people have. Oh, sure. And it's not a, it's not a deal breaker, though. Mostly. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I, disagreement is a fundamental part of humanity, right? Like, getting along with people, if you are only surrounded with people who think exactly like you, you're never going to go anywhere. Um, disagreement is how you grow, in my opinion. And, but disagreement has to come with this element of uh, open-mindedness. You have to be able to look at both sides of the disagreement. And it doesn't mean you have to agree at the end. And it doesn't even mean that you have to like the person when you're done. Um, but, you know, for the lack of better words, part of being an adult is knowing when, you're, when you've gone too far, when you've like, really crossed a line and then just kind of pulling yourself back. And I am proud to say that Gamers Plane did not have a ban that wasn't bot related 
for years. I don't remember. I mean, I can go back and check the check the logs, but I mean, we have only had a small handful of bands. Um, we've had more bands, I think, on uh, on Discord than we have on the site itself. Um, and that's just people. Discord being more immediate gives people a little more opportunity to like run their mouths. Um, and even there, only a small handful. Like the for the most part, people find a way to resolve their problems. And I mean, what is an RPG other than like resolving a problem? It might be via fight, but given you're not fighting in real life, uh, ultimately, play by post is words. So you're resolving a fight via words as it is. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the fact that we've never really had, like, a major, major problem. We had one close one a little while back, um, but I think for the most part, like, the community's done pretty well about self-policing, which, yeah. again, goes back to that whole, um, I didn't really have to do much. Like, the admins put together a rule once every three to six months because they notice a trend, and that's about it. So how much work is uh, gamers playing for you other than um, side development? Um, so if we take out the development work, I probably spend 10-ish hours a week when it comes to, and we've always had the issues with emails not delivering well on gamers planes. So people reach out to me about activations, about password changes, about different things like that. So I take care of those. Um, there are logistical issues just in terms of, I keep a, keep my eye on how the server is doing. I make sure like I'm caught up on Discord. I make sure that I'm watching any forums for anything that might be problematic. Um, so yeah, I probably spend about 10 hours a week outside of development, just keeping an eye on things. Right. Yeah. That's a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe. I, I guess I don't have much else to do in life at the moment. So uh, a <laughs> uh, single person in Jersey City, uh, there's, I mean, especially right now with things relatively on lockdown and, um, you know, my social anxiety was bad in high school and college. It's not much better now, um, which I will say is something that every time I speak to someone at a con, they're surprised about, but that doesn't make it any less true in my opinion. Um, yeah, but like, so I spend a lot of time at home. So spending some time working on gamers playing stuff is a nice way to cap off the evening. You used to, um, be in a hiking club. Maybe that was back in your last town. Have you... uh, not a club, but I had a close group of friends who, um, we used to go hiking pretty regularly every couple of months, basically, uh, through sp spring through fall. Okay. Um, now I'm at a point where most of my friends are married, uh, at least one kid, and so it definitely changes the dynamic on what they do in their free time. Um, I am attempting, I am attempting to kind of get over or at least push through some of that social anxiety and like instigate, instigate's not the right word, initiate more things on my own rather than necessarily uh, have someone else do so. So um yeah this summer was a little tougher obviously with COVID around but um the hope is uh, I found a local gaming club that has either weekly or bi-weekly game nights um actually as we speak right now they're holding one uh so next uh, the next one they host I'm going to try to attend 
I've never had that. I've never dropped into play to game. I know um, Pezo and DN, you know, Wizards of the Coast have really promoted that. And even back in the 90s, TSR promoted, uh, yeah. you know, regular gaming groups that you could host and there had special rules. But I've never dropped in on those. Yeah, I've done I've done Paizos and I believe I've done Wizards at cons. Um, I find that they're because of the way the rules are done and because of the way character generation is done, it's much easier to just hop into one. Um, and the nice thing is your character carries over into any other game you go to. Yeah. Um, so I like that. It doesn't have the flair that I look for in RPGs. So I don't typically like love those. I typically, so I used it uh, actually, the first time I played Pathfinder was at one of those. Um, so it gave me a good idea of Pathfinder's rules. I played a wizard one because it was just kind of like, I had extra time at a con and I was like, all right, I don't know what else I want to do at this time. <laughs> I'd rather play something than nothing. Um, the, the one that's happening locally to me is actually a board game one. I haven't seen one for RPGs locally, which is tough. But uh, I've also, again, the last year has been tough. I've seen a lot of meetup groups that would have otherwise been doing RPGs or board games fall apart. And I think that's another thing that reestablishing is going to take a little bit of time. And that's always been a huge issue. Like back going back to the 90s and early 2000s, we routinely would talk with people you know, our friends and like, well, how do you find a game? It's like, there's no way. There's no good way. <laughs> we tried. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's yeah. a definite tough one because the other part about finding a game is, you know, like I said before, a game is as much about the people playing as the game you're playing. Um, some people only like one system. Some people prefer like very tight to the rules. Some are like theater of the mind, minis. You know, there's so many different ways to play an RPG and the community relative to population is so small that finding that game is difficult. And there, so th there is one feature that I had always hoped to put in the gamers plane that I'm hoping the version two will see is I wanted to put together kind of like a Google Maps for game groups. Um, so like you can go in, you can plug in where your gr game group is and you can find people that are playing in a 25 mile area or something like that, you know. Um, it turned out to be a lot more complicated than I initially envisioned and my knowledge level at the last time I was looking at it was not high enough to be able to implement it. I'm much better off now than I was back then and so I'm hoping that once the version 2 is done and uh, you know is in a solid place I'll be in a better place to implement something where it's like oh I want to find RPG players who play D&D &D rules light. Okay well here's the local closest one or I want to find a convention like I've seen so many online spreadsheets of conventions that are just out of date. But then also like, it'll say this convention in this state or like in this city. And I'm like, I have no idea where that is. I have no idea how far that is. Like that means very little to me. So why has someone not put it on like a searchable Google maps yet? I, I guess it's for the same reasons I haven't. Um, and so, yeah, at some point that'd be a cool feature to build. It would, yeah, for sure. Part of them we talked about years ago was using gamers playing as a <clears throat> non-play-by-post nexus, right? Where yeah. 
some of the some of the forums aren't are about finding games, but some of them are about let's discuss videos or um, pen and paper RPGs and stuff like that. And, and yeah, to, to some extent, I, I have noticed that since we put together the Discord, we've lost a little bit of conversation on the site. And um, I know I know recently people like since we kind of became actively aware of it, people are pushing conversations back to the forums, which is great. Um, and I mean, on the other side, I actually do know there are a couple of games that are not play by post that are actually real life games where people are using Gamers Plane as their repository and their long-term tracking for their game, which yeah. I also think is really cool. Yeah. I once was going to start a third edition D&D game. This is somewhat recently. And I suggested that everybody just make Gamers Plane character sheets. Um, just put it all there and then we could just view it, right? We, I could review it yeah. in advance of, instead of having session zero, just getting together. Now it turned out at that time, the 3.5 version of the character sheet wasn't working properly. So, <laughs> so that didn't Oh yeah, <laughs> that point. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, it, there are bugs that I've created over time. But, it, but, it's uh, a, but it's a collection of tools that we can use in many different ways, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think like that's, you know, I think it was recently pointed out to me how the character library was not what I initially envisioned it to be. Um, and I think because it's kind of been, it, it, it's kind of like a repeating cycle because people weren't really using it because it really wasn't what I thought it was. So people weren't using it. So straight further from what I thought it was. And, you know, uh, definitely some, that's definitely a major feature that I would like to overhaul because like you said, I think that that's a really useful thing for people to have both online and offline. Um, like if you could just copy someone's character sheet, for example, and then change the stats or change the things that you wanted. Uh, maybe someone has a really great NPC idea. I know right now the whole like what counts as an NPC isn't really very viable, but um, definitely there was a someone suggested at one point having like um a mini sheet for npcs where it's just kind of like name base stats and like maybe items or just like a description box um and so like to quickly be able to use npcs imagine if you could share those around like you know there's definitely a lot of stuff that i think people can use both online and offline um but i think one thing that's come up is i am very much the i'm very much a perfectionist and I've fallen many a time into uh, uh, the programmers must be perfect ideology where something doesn't release until it is done. And as I think everyone in life learns, nothing is ever done. Everything is just done enough. Yeah. Um, Gamers Plane wouldn't exist if I hadn't come to that conclusion years ago. Um, and I'm also actively trying to make sure that as I build stuff, it's built for the online use. And then like, if it ends up being used for offline, that's great. Or if there's small things I can do to adjust it, that's great too. But right now I need to be focusing on making sure Gamers Plane is as good a play by post website as I can make it. And then if I can build that out stronger, there'll be room to build out non play by post stuff. Right. So. Um, you spoke on Discord a little bit today that uh, you're thinking your version two of the site is in the some several months down the road, six months, something like that, maybe, with without yeah. you know, tying you down to a date. But yeah, <laughs> um, I, my understanding is that a lot of it's going to be just back end changes. 
you know, optimization, that sort of thing. Um, what else are you expecting to, to see that would the user see in version two? Yeah, uh, it's actually gonna be a complete overhaul. Um, it has nothing to do with version one from a code perspective. Um, everything from the version one perspective is features, right? Like, uh, so I posted about how I'm looking for a design group to help me reskin the site. Um, I don't think the current site design is too bad, but um, you know, Adam has pointed out and I think it's accurate that uh, it could definitely use tweaking being brought up a little bit in the last decade. Um, but in general, my goal, so the current version of the site is basically a monstrous amalgamation of two technologies, uh, PHP and Angular, uh, AngularJS, um, for anyone techie who's listening. Um, I, I honestly don't know why I did that. Like, I can't think back and go like, oh yes, this is a clear decision why I decided to do this. Um, great decision at the time, horrible decision, hindsight. And so one of the big things is the site is like 10 years old now, or at least the base code is. And so it's high time for it to match modern technologies. So I'm switching to what's known as Python. I'll be using Angular on the front end. I'll be adding a whole bunch of backend stuff to make it smoother. But also one of the nice things, um, uh, people are much more familiar these days with what are called single page apps, right? The idea that you go to a website and there's never again like that white page between changing screens. It just kind of like loads new content. Um, so like that's going to be one of the big things is the site will be a lot faster because you're not just going to be going like page to page. You click on characters and it'll just load up the characters. You click on games and it'll just load the games. It won't have to redo everything. Um, so the goal is initially to take the current site we have and make it far more usable, like reduce the bug count, reduce the load times, increase caching so that things speed up, um, which will also let me add a couple of small features that we can't enable now because to do them with the current setup would just be painful, um, both for the G, both for like anyone developing and for anyone using. Um, so I would love to get back to that point where, I mean, I don't know if we do it exactly, but way back in the heyday, we had all the games listed out on, all the public games listed out on the game forum. Yeah. I want to, like, we had to shut that down because it literally brought the site to a crawl. Yeah, I can't um, remember when that was, 2017, 2018. And yeah, it was just, it just yeah. suddenly, like over a month or two, just became a nightmare. <laughs> we got an influx of users and the influx of users started an influx of games. And that's what caused it. Yeah. Um, and like, that's a great reason to have a problem, but you know, I, I would love to bring back a way to find public games more easily. Um, you know, I think that's a question that gets asked a lot and we have a thread of public games, which is a great interim solution, but it's not, you know, not really a long-term solution. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's like the initial goal, like I said, is to get the current site running smoother, faster, uh, more friendly. If I can find a design team to help make it mobile friendly, that would be great. Um, I'm not a great designer. I'm good at programming. Design is something I muddle through. Um, so a design team would be good for that. Um, what about mobile friendliness? A lot of yeah. a lot of modern gaming, a lot of modern computer work is just moving on to smaller and smaller screens. Yeah, so that's, yeah, that's what I mean about finding that design team, um, help me like build a mobile first website. Um, but in addition to that, there's uh, something called uh, PWA, Progressive Web Apps, which is another technology that kind of 
essentially lets you build a website that's kind of like partway between a mobile app and a website. You can like save a shortcut on your homepage and it can give you notifications and things like that. And to build a PWA, you have to kind of do it from the start or not at all. So I'm going to be building the fundamentals of a PWA into the site. I don't think any of the features will be enabled for a while. Um, I want to get it again, get the basics working and then I'll go back to it. But that's definitely, I mean, if we start to go down the feature list that I would love to get in there, uh, we had a conversation a little while ago about how um, it'd be cool to have more, more real-time chat involved because people are asking, can we build, can we have a discord channel for our play by post games? And I'm like, I like the idea, but if we start doing that, we run into a lot of logistical problems. Um, the admins would just have way too much work on their hands. And so I actually did have a chat system on the site way back when it started. And the chat system, a GM would start a session, you could chat. And when the GM ended the session, it would actually save that chat to a post. Um, great idea. I think it, like, logically it worked well. Techn technologically, it did not work well. Um, thankfully, I'm 10 years smarter than when I was back then. And like, that's another feature that would be great to bring back with more modern technology. Right. Besides um, Angular GS or JS, sorry, JavaScript, um, what was your biggest mistake in version one, do you think? All right. So I will say this because my therapist would approve of this statement more than probably the other way around. There were no real mistakes in the first version. Um, I did the best with the knowledge I had at the time, the experience I had at the time, what I knew. Um, probably my biggest mistake over time has been not maintaining it better. Um, I attribute that mostly to a combination of anxiety, depression, and like just my own personal issues that have kind of gotten in the way. And so there are, there are things that I'm trying to do to combat that. And one reason I set a timeline, you know, and I say six months, uh, six months on the low side, right? Cause I do expect it'll take longer than that. But my personal goal, you know, one thing I've been working with my therapist is like, all right, every day I work for 10 minutes on Gamers Plane, minimum 10 minutes. Um, Cause there have been a lot of times where I won't do anything for like a week or two. And then I'll spend like six hours until like 3 a.m. working on GP. Um, not the most healthy way of approaching it. And so I'm trying to work on like better things. So the idea that the only mistake has really been my application is what I would say. Um, it's been a side project and it's alive because people are using it. Like if people stopped using it, I would also be like, okay, I, I did what I meant to do. And, you know, I gave it a shot and that's it. Yeah, well, and I think that's, you know, maybe there's rough edges. Maybe we all wish there were features included that um, that weren't there. But you know, as somebody who's pro, you know, running into thirty-four thousand posts on the site, I can tell you that it works really well. Like it just does. It does everything I need it to do. The integrated character sheets and the dice rolling and the form form post tracking. I mean. Other than that, that, that's most of what we need to do, right? And it just, yeah, it, it does the job. I, like, I, I think gamers playing as itself, right? Like, this is where I get into that balance of, like, what I logically know and what I emotionally know of, like, gamers playing does what it's supposed to. 
Um, it is a forum with a, with a bunch of features built in that allow it to be play by post with a greater degree of simplicity than I find other sites do. Which is not to say other sites don't have GP features or that other sites don't have, fe have features that GP still lacks. But um, it does what it's supposed to do. And, you know, I've always tried to keep the design simple. I've always tried to keep it very straightforward. There's no multiple button clicks or I need to figure out what this font is or what this icon represents. Um, I've always tried to go simple with it. And, uh, you know, I think that's something people have brought up in the past that like, yeah, that's something they like about it. Um, I, on the emotional side, I'm always back to like, yes, but it could be more. Um, and so like, it's always that constant battle in my head of like, yeah, it could be more, but like, all right, if you're gonna make it more, just take your time and like make it more. So yeah, like I said, just a little bit ago, that's the whole thing with this 10 minute thing is like, I, instead of feeling like, oh, I need to get this whole feature done. Nowadays I'll write like two dozen lines of code and that'll be a good day. And that's fine because if I get two dozen lines of code done one day and two dozen done every day that week, that's like two, three features done a week. So um, yeah. All right, so um, we've talked about gamers playing a fair bit, but um what kind of gaming do you actually like to do yourself like what what are your favorite kinds of games are you more yeah. of the fantasy more of the science fiction more of the uh, murder death kill headshot <laughs> i like diversity um so i don't have a favorite system i don't have a favorite style uh i think i enjoy i enjoy when things get further from the norm that i think the more this is you in a in a different world. I think I enjoy that less. I, I want to explore my creativity when I play games. So whether it's, um, you know, a high fantasy, whether it's a sci-fi, whether it's, you know, I've liked Cthulhu, like I'm not usually a horror fan, but I like Cthulhu from the perspective of like, it's the real world adjacent. So I, I would prefer not to know what's around the corner basically. Um, so in terms of style, that's kind of what I prefer. Uh, I'm not super heavy on rules, um, but I do like crunchy, meaning I don't necessarily feel abided to follow the rules all the time, but I like that there are rules there to follow should I want to. Um, but I think like as a player and as a GM, it's really important to just go, meh, I don't care about this one right now. And like, we're just gonna ignore it. Um, so yeah, I... I like trying a lot of different things. I mean, actually, can't see it in here, but like the top left and the top right are just like RPG books of no particular style. Um, let's see, what do I have up here? I have Pathfinder. I have uh, uh, what's your Numenera. I've got uh, Sorcery and Shotgun. Um, I've got a whole bunch that are coming in over Kickstarter. Um, yeah, I like trying things. Yeah, that's certainly um, the biggest strength I found with um, with gamers playing is being able to try so many different games, and and it isn't just like some occasionally it's you make a character, you get a few posts in, and then the game dies. <laughs> but sometimes, you know, I, I'm in games like Warhammer Fantasy, which I learned on um, gamers playing that um, three years in to you know, and I, I knew, and I was late into it. Um, I ran a vampire game for three and a half years. You know, there, there's a lot of games that do last. And um, 
That's a, that's an interesting, you know, one thing I might try to throw together maybe this weekend if I have time is uh, the average life of a game on GP. Right. Um, like, and, and, you know, if we filter out like anything that has like under 10 posts or something like that, if we assume that a game is essentially started, how long do games last on average? Because I mean, we all know play by post suffers from this thing of people leaving games of games dying um, before they complete. And I think like that'd be a good statistical representation of like, does gamers playing's community help lower that compared to other sites? I mean, obviously I don't have the numbers for other sites, but it'd be interesting to see. Uh, I think I might, I'm, I might just like dive into the database and try to find that out. Yeah, it's interesting to you have a question like that and you can look it up or, <laughs> yeah. or, or write a, a complicated series of SQL queries that- Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is like I already the technologist in my brain is going like, okay, what tables am I going to need to find? Okay, if I'm going to remove this and add, the, and I will, I will hold off on that because if I do that now, my brain's just going to go in a whole different direction. <laughs> uh, so I've been asking people randomly if they watch sports or played sports or well, how do you land on the sports question? Um, so I'm not, uh, I'm not a big follower of organized sports. Um, I enjoy sports, again, mostly for social reasons. Um, I, love, uh, I love the Super Bowl, um, not because I ever care or know what team is on it, but because a Super Bowl party is a fun time with a bunch of friends. Um, I, yeah, so I don't really follow any teams. I don't really follow anything like that. But um, I've been, Prior to COVID, I was fencing for three or so years. Um, I need to get back into shape because I've definitely put on weight over COVID and uh, start that back up. Um, I also rock climb. Um, and I guess since that is in the Olympics now, we can call that a sport. Um, <laughs> I've competed in rock climbing as well previously. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoy watching and playing sports to spend time with people more than I do a sport itself, yeah. even fencing. Like I got, I'm pretty sure I stayed in fencing because my club was very social. Um, and that was a big draw for me. Yeah, well, that's interesting. I was on a rugby team for a number of years and um, it was very social, it was a beer team. Mm. Like we just got drunk and occasionally <laughs> played rugby. <laughs> So interestingly, my club, uh, what I found is a lot of fencing clubs tend to be very serious in the sense that they're there to build college students or Olympians. Um, and my club tended to be the one where all the college and Olympian folks would go to after uh, to just chill. Um, and we had Adult Swim, which was basically bring drinks, we'll have some at the house, have fun fencing and chatting for a couple hours. And um, other than the fact that maybe liquor and fencing don't necessarily go together, oh, no, uh, it was pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, everyone's always been pretty, it, no, I think that's a cool thing because we had a bunch of coaches, uh, we had a bunch of people who were like high-end college fencers. Uh, so no one ever drank a lot, but it was just like basically a nice time where they were like, away from kids, away from like, even inexperienced fencers would come, but it was a very like laid back, just chill, fence, have fun, chat. Um, and it was a very neat experience, especially because 
other clubs didn't typically host that kind of thing. Um, so it was where a coach would go to get away, basically. So if you were to participate in um, a dream game on Gamers Plane, what, maybe not even Gamers Plane, even in real life, what do you think that would look like? Would you be running it? Would you be a player in it? And what kind of experience would you be looking for? Yeah, like even when you posted this one, this is a tough one for me to answer. I don't think I have a dream game. I think in the same way that I don't have a favorite system or anything like that. Um, I really do look for that diversity. It's not that I'd have one game that would be like the one to play. I think it would be more of the group that I would love to hop in and out of games with. Mm -hmm. um, and so in a sense, that's one thing it wasn't Numenera. What was Monty Cook's other one? Strange. Uh, Scythe. Uh, uh, the. The Strange. Um, is that the, is that the one? That's the one where you like they go in and out of different worlds, right? And your character. Yeah. yeah. So that's. I feel like that's a system I haven't yet gotten to try in earnest. I played one con game of it, and I liked the concept. I just don't necessarily know if I like that game. Um, but I I play I had started one with friends back in high school where the idea was like, we played a character that got sucked into different worlds um, and every world was a different RPG system, but like there were elements that followed through all these different systems basically. Um, so I feel like that might be something I'd enjoy where basically like you play a couple of sessions as one game, you play a different couple of sessions as a different game. There's overarching story that brings them all together, but there's an opportunity to do a bunch of different things. Um, yeah, and that sounds fun. I ran a Space Master game in the 90s. So Space Master is based on Role Master, which is one okay. of the, the more crunchy end of crunchy games. And so in Space Master, it's set, you know, 10,000 years in the future or something. And so the players had a ship. And on mm. the ship, they bought this dream console. Speaking of dream which was an acronym and it meant something, but it was basically um, kind of like a holodeck, except it was all vir virtual reality. And so one thing we started doing is they would go on a, they'd be on the ship and they'd go from planet A to planet B. I'm like, okay, well, they jack into the uh, dream game. And then I had them character sheets. I was like, okay, we're going to play um, in, this, in this virtual reality. Okay, now you're werewolves in the wild west. <laughs> here's the situation so it'd be playing a video game inside the <laughs> that is cool yeah. i i actually uh, i don't know how much you are on the computer game side borderlands 2 was is easily one of my favorite games because they do that exact thing of like pulling you out of the game just a little bit breaking the fourth wall just enough so that like you now again feel like you're playing a character but in a different scenario and I think that relates back to RPGs as well. Like, I like that idea of, you know, I think like getting away from stuff is a huge concept about RPGs. And the idea of getting, I am, I can be very corny at times. And so the idea of getting away from getting away from something like just tickles my fancy in a way that I can't actually explain. <laughs> but it's just like, it's such a dumb idea, especially when you frick that phrase, get away from getting away from something, right? It just sounds so silly, but like sounds so intriguing at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Then you shake it up and make things new again, right? 
Yeah, I mean, and, and which is not to get, I've played long campaigns um, and I love the idea of a long campaign. Um, but I feel like the more I experience different RPGs, the more I want to try different things because honestly, I've seen, like, I loved, I had a game that had two GMs and they kept rotating in and out. And I loved the fact that different styles of GMing kept coming into play. Um, and like, I think it, maybe a fantasy game would be a, a place where like, there's an overarching story. So basically the idea of a book being written by a different, bunch of different authors. Um, every player is a GM at some point, they're playing, they're running a different system, but they're just basically picking up on this story that was last left off. Um, and so I mean, it could go in a million different ways, but it just sounds like such an intriguing concept of like one day it might be, you know, Wild West fantasy, something like Deadlands, um, where the villain is like a very serious, you know, uh, a very serious, like out to destroy the world kind of guy. And then in the next game, you're playing in Shadowlands where he's a, or not Shadowlands, uh, Shadowrun, where he's suddenly a cowardly, like corporation boss. And then like just this switching, I, I don't know, something about that just stands out a lot. Well, I totally agree. And I think I, for a, for quite a while, I thought The Strange was probably my favorite role-playing game, simply because it just builds that right in. Yeah. Like you're, you start off and maybe you are a, in a um, cyberpunk world, a recursion, they call it. Yep. And then you translate and translate is, a, is an important word because your character, most of the core stats change the same, but then you swap out one little template and go in yeah. and then bring in a new template in the new, recursion. So if you went from cyberpunk to Ardain, which is a um, fantasy world built on an MMO, essentially is what happens in the game. <laughs> and uh, so you end up in this fantasy world and the, suddenly instead of going from a Decker in a cyberpunk world, you're now a dragon slayer and you actually have dragon slayer power, you know, abilities yeah. and skills. Yeah. The game I played, we were kind of um, secret agents in in basically like the real world. And we kept translating into, uh, well, we translated into a couple, but I remember most distinctly translating into kind of uh, an Egyptian fantasy world. And so like one of us turned into an Anubis-like figure. One of us turned into a Sphinx-like figure. Um, you know, my stats went from being like, oh, I am a information gathering specialist to like, now I carry a giant staff that I hit people with. Like, you know, it was just a, such a fun concept. And so like, yeah, I mean, that might, you know, I keep talking about, I need to get more involved in the day-to-day -day of gamers playing. And maybe I should see next time a, 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 a Scythe, not Cypher, uh, Strange Game comes up. Um, maybe that's something I should poke into because yeah, like that, that, might, be, that might be the way to get me back into things. I think the Cypher system, you know, Numenera, the Strange Cypher system, and they've got a few more coming out as well. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, well, actually, that Shotguns and Sorcery they talked about is based on Cypher. It's not by Monty Cook, but okay. um, it was one of their first licensed games um, using the Cypher system. I found that as a GM, it's really easy to run on yeah. Gamers Plane. And as a player, I think so as well. Um, I'm, I'm a little surprised that there isn't a bunch more 
of those games being run. <laughs> I think like, I think we have to consider statistically too, right? Because I, we just, someone was having this conversation on Discord about how uh, our, how D&D is so prevalent. Um, and the truth, truth of it, it is, right? Like it probably makes up the vast majority of RPG players are yeah. dominantly focused on D&D. Um, and then after that would have to come Pathfinder. Like, I don't think that there's anything, there's any doubt that Pathfinder is going to be next. And then we're going to see Cypher, like various Cypher games coming in after that. Probably Numenera is next, um, mostly because of the name power of Monty Cook. So, D, uh, or sorry, GP has a whole bunch of different systems, but and we have a whole bunch of people who want to try different things. But ultimately, we're playing against those numbers. And so, I if there are numbers out there of like the percentage of D&D players in the world, I'd be interested to see and compare it to Gamers Plane, but I'm pretty confident in saying that Gamers Plane has a greater diversity of games than we would see in the wild, so to speak. Yeah. Um, like I get an email every time a game is made on Gamers Plane. Um, I've set it up to send me emails every time someone signs up for the site and every time I get, every time a game is created. And yeah, the majority are Pathfinder or D&D, but there are a lot of times where, I mean, custom is becoming a lot more popular now, um, especially thanks to Adam's addition of like you being able to set a game. Yeah. Um, for anyone watching, I will remind though, that if, if the system isn't on the site, technically you just got to let me know and I can add a system and its logo to the site anytime, especially since I added that feature where it doesn't require a character sheet. Character sheets take a long time. <laughs> Adding a system takes like half an hour. Um, so a lot less time. Um, but yeah, like we're seeing a greater diversity of games in the recent past than I think we've seen. And uh, I love that. Like, I, I love the idea that there's a lot more going on um, in part because, well, I like diversity and in part because honestly, someone will point out when Gamers Plane is missing something that, that diversity needs and that I need to add. Um, and while I wish I could do every single feature, it's good to hear that certain things are lacking. Like I'm currently thinking, I don't really think I've done anything for uh, translation um, or like anything effective for translation uh, for The Strange. Um, and that's like a major missing feature now that I think about it. Yeah, there's a, there's a number of ways we've talked about this while playing The Strange because I've run a few games of it, is that um, now that spoiler tags and those spoiler boxes work in in some of those. We can yeah. do, we can use that to put a bunch of recursion based mechanics, right? So yeah. if you're now in the Ardain world, you can just have that box there, expand it, see all those stuff, and and then simultaneously hide the stuff that applies to that doesn't apply. Yeah. Well, the programmer in me is just going like, "Hey, if I had done this right the first time." but we're going to ignore that. Like with the version two, it should be pretty easy for me to go like, all right, here's your character sheet per recursion. And then just swap out the, the like basically run that translation in real time. Um, yeah. And if we do that, we can also do fun things like when you're rolling your post and things like that, or when you're like adding a dice roll, have your stats for that particular recursion show and things like that. There's, like I said, if we start talking in programming, I'm going to go down feature ideas all day. The hard part would be uh, swapping out avatars, maybe. 
<laughs> not, not really. Like I, you know, this is something someone pointed out to me recently, the way we have avatars running. Um, so this has always been like an interesting thought slash concern that I, I have a conversation with myself uh, about gamers playing all the time is that what am I, like what, where is the line between what I'm willing to take from players or take from users and not because like gamers playing is never going to have ads right i mean unless we get to the point where we literally have millions of users and i cannot survive without a revenue stream gamers playing will never have ads um gamers playing like i i do my best to not take you know someone pointed out like what's the point of me taking the birth date and my initial concept was like i really loved how some sites send you a message on your birthday like i thought that was really cool um, I never built that in. So like, why am I taking people's birthdays? Like, it doesn't matter. Gender, like, especially, I, I mean, I will apologize up front because I built the gender thing literally 12 years ago, 12, more than 12 years ago when I did not know better. And when I like, also the world was pretty different 12, 13 years ago. Yeah. Um, like, I don't need to collect gender. Like, and if I am going to collect gender, it needs to be a text box, not a not a binary option um like so there's all these things that like uh the site is collecting that it doesn't need to and there's things that i've actively avoided collecting but for example i can collect avatars and like i can give people the option to make those avatars usable by other people like have that avatar library almost um you know and so we could have a system where you want a recursion that fine you have a different recursion per or a different avatar per recursion and like you can either upload your own or set it into a system right now it is one per character sheet like you said problematic but it's something that's resolvable by like if i re-architect the way we look at the site right and that's where this v2 kind of comes in because there's a whole bunch of stuff that i'm going to get rid of for the v2 because it doesn't make sense right now it doesn't make sense from the way the site works but also there's stuff I can add that's just small usability stuff. Like if, like I said, if I'm gonna have gender, I'm just gonna make it a text box. Most likely I'm gonna remove it altogether. But like, you know, um, I, I'm at a point where like initially I, I had age because I was worried about the legal implications of um, people under a certain age joining the site. I admit, I still don't know. I should probably hire a lawyer at some point to help me go over all of that stuff. Um, but like, until I need to, I should just collect like the month and the date. Like I have no need for the year basically. Um, but yeah, like there are a whole bunch of things where it's like, I can probably get more from the users on the site, but I also want to be mindful of the fact that, you know, I don't want to be a intrusive like i'm gathering all your data kind of thing i just want to get enough that we can improve the site and that's it yeah i know i've got a fake birthday in there <laughs> i'm sure a lot of people do like what's the point of like what's the point of it, it doesn't make what? any difference i wasn't really born on january 1st <laughs> <laughs> and, and honestly like like i said if it covers legal implications i'm happy with that as it is if 90% of our users are born January 1st, like 1960, <laughs> I'm all right with that. I don't care. So what do you think is the number one feature that people have requested that you have no intention of building? 
oof, no intention is, I don't even know if there's a feature that I have no intention of building. Um, I try to keep an, an open mind about every feature. Like I will say that I initially was like, I don't really see a dark mode being anywhere up on my list of features to add, uh, officially speaking. Um, and then Adam built it into the V1 and I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna carry this in the V2. And like, the more I thought about it, I'm like, the only reason I'm saying no to this is because I don't personally like mode switches. I have holdouts about things. And, you know, I think it's something I try to do in my personal life as well. Is like, things should not be held back due to personal conflicts, right? I might not be using dark mode, but people are using dark mode and there are things they like about dark mode. So maybe the question I should be asking is, what is it that I would want to see in dark mode? Um, so there are, I'm trying to think of any feature that I'm like, no, like absolutely <laughs> not. Like the only things I can think of are like, when people are like, oh, you should um, offer this thing if people donate. And I'm like, right. like the most, like I, I will say, I would at some point, I think it'd be nice, especially now that like in the recent past, I've seen donations increase. Um, it'd be nice to have like a banner or like a marker or like something to thank people for donating. But I also don't think that should give them more on the site functionally. It should just be like a thank you, a credit, uh, a, a bonus. Ba a badge, yeah. Yeah, a badge. Like, or if we ever get like um, emojis, maybe they get like a special donor emoji, right? Like nothing that like, oh, you get to have 10 character sheets while everyone else gets five. No, nothing, Are you kidding me? Like. No, that, it'll just be the only feature that I will actively con not consider is one that restricts people, one that uh, hurts people, like actively putting in a feature that basically separates people. Right. Um, like even, yeah, I can't think of one. I can't think of one that I would like I can't think of a reasonable request someone would make where I'd be like, no, that's never happening. <laughs> yeah. I tend yeah, to think I'm a pretty reasonable guy when it comes to most of these. Yeah. Well, some of them are, you know, I think you've hit on some of them though, like ones that make make divisions within the community. For example, when we were, when we were discussing of ways of handling, you know, the couple of users that seem to have created a number of games and then disappear you know, smoke bomb, and then they're just gone, right? Yeah. And these game, the players are left stranded. And I don't think that was a huge deal, but it was very frustrating. Yeah. But there, so one of the ways people came up with that is like, well, maybe let's not let people um, start games until they have 10 posts. Or maybe, maybe we don't let people do something until they've proven themselves in some way. And I thought that I was against that just philosophically. A game started up just yesterday, I think, or maybe today. And um, I'm like, well, I don't recognize this, these people. So I looked at them. I was like, oh, the GM joined today. Oh, and eight other people joined. And they all joined today. So somebody in their real life created a game, invited all their friends over. Mm -hmm. And why would we make them jump through hoops just to start a game? I, you know. Yeah. And that the happens. Only, the only one that I've considered in that, space which i think actually makes a lot of sense is when someone signs up and they activate their account i think it'd be good to have like 
the the rules some of the rules we've listed as well as like um here are things to consider and follow now that you're joining this community click this checkbox to activate your account like that i think is a reasonable request to make in the same way that 90 percent of people are going to check the box and skip it but i think that by having that there we've placed in a we placed something in that at least makes people aware of what we're hoping, what we're expecting of them. And I think as a web developer, I'm constantly faced by, you know, what was it? I, I remember reading something about like a park ranger commenting how you'd be surprised at the overlap between the dumbest people and the smartest bears. <laughs> um, and I think that on the web, that is extremely prevalent. Uh, I would love to do a thing where like, you must prove you are being honest by creating a game. Like, I can't do that. Like, someone's going to, like, create a game and then forget about it or create an account. And then, you know, I think we had this, someone in admin pointed out how there was a game created by someone four years ago who has zero posts. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, yeah, they probably just forgot about it and they're coming back. And unfortunately, the problem you're going to have with play-by-post and with websites is people are going to join and people are going to leave. Um, Gamers Plane has a far higher re uh, retention rate, initial retention rate, than I thought would have been possible. Like, most big sites are like, we kept two to three percent of signups, this is great. Like, we keep a fair number of our signups for at least a couple of months. And then people realize maybe maybe play-by-post isn't for them, maybe they didn't find a game that's right for them. And that's a whole separate issue, right? Like, that's, that's a tough topic for anyone to tackle. But I think the community on GP does pretty well addressing those concerns. Um, and there are things I'm technologically limited by. Like, I'm glad I found that whole thing about how to limit um, fake email addresses. Um, yeah. But yeah, like, I think like with V2, I might just dump a little more money into a separate service that'll validate email addresses for me. Um, None of these things are too expensive. They're all like $5, $10, $20 a month. But it's when you add like 10 of them that it starts to build up. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. yeah. So what do you think is you're looking into the future in G2, V2 and V9? <laughs> what, what do you think is the future of play-by-post gaming? Um, I think it's the evolution of play-by-post, right? Like I've read stories about how the first play-by-post was literally playing by mail. Um, and I think like, A, wow. And two, B, like, all right, we're a little past that age. Um, so I think it's about continuing to, continuing to evolve play by post while retaining the core of what makes play by post interesting um, and different. Because we could turn Gamers Plane into a video site. You know, we could integrate um, Google onto there and have a Google Meet that you create and you play your games all in real time. Like, but that's not play by post. Play by post is essentially asynchronous at its core. And so I see like the future of it being asynchronous at the core, but someone has pointed out Discord is making a big leap forward in terms of playing what people still consider play by post because you can post, go away for a couple hours, come back, have a scene with someone and then leave again. Yeah. Um, and so I think building that chat system that I talked about is going to be a big contributor to moving some of the activity that's happening on Discord back to Gamers Plane, as well as modernizing play-by-post a little bit. 
Um, I think that one thing about gamers playing is always going to be the core of the socialization. I always want people to come in because they're not just here for a game. They're here to do something with the other people on the site. Because um, some days maybe you just don't feel like playing a game. Maybe you're, we all know someone who has made more characters than they can possibly play in their life. Um, and I think that's fantastic. And I think like one would be uh, building a, a feature where like building out the library feature and building out the character generation better so that people can just do the thing that they want to do on the site while adding back to the community, right? Like I've always been really big about like, if you want to advertise, I'm okay with that. Like as long as your goal isn't to actively take people away from Gamers Plane, I think the community should grow by people sharing things, exposing things. I try to retweet stuff. I mean, I, I have like some 2,500 followers, not a huge amount, but like at the same time, that's better than someone with a hundred. I can retweet stuff by clicking one button. Why not? Um, so I think building out the community in stronger ways. Uh, I know people have talked about subthreading. Like that's one I don't really understand the value of, but I wanna like try to find out about um, to see like, is that gonna help? Um, emojis is something people have talked about. We've had endless conversations on um, upvotes. Uh, I still have yet to really figure out how I wanna do that. Um, gamification, gamifying a game really. Um, like that's another consideration of like, all right, how do we do that and make it interesting, but still fair. Um, so I think it's, yeah, it's trying to figure out what is next in play by post, um, which, you know, I, I think is when I first started gamers playing, the idea was gamers play by post is a certain way right now. I'm not really happy with it. I assume other people aren't happy with it. Let me try to do something. I think it's the same thing for the next version, or maybe not the next version, but the next evolution is what is missing in play by post that people want? What is it that is keeping people from joining play by post? And how can we bring that together without losing the core of what play by post is? Yeah. And I know that Harrigan and I and a number of other people have talked about kind of the, the science of play by post. Like there's, there's, yeah. something, there's something big going on in our brains. Like, like you said, in a community, if, if you and I were gaming together, it has nothing to do with gamers playing, right? It's really just an interface between our brains connecting, yes. right? And so what is play by post other than a new way to connect? Yes. And you've probably noticed this. I know personally, my attention span has declined rapidly over the last 20 years. And it isn't that I have ADD or ADHD or something. What I have is a lot of things competing for my attention, right? Yeah. So if I, if I want to spend six hours sitting at a table with a bunch of people, that's pretty radical. Back in the 90s, I could do that four days a week. Now, there's no way. I, I've got too many things going on. And so I don't think... The future of play by post is well roll 20 is just so good now we'll just abandon asynchronous playing because because we won't because i think our time packets are getting smaller and smaller and so gamers playing is filling that that void for me yeah and i think like you said it's kind of also engaging those longer periods which like that chat system that i brought up 
like, you know, I, I'm personally of the mindset of I like real life games because it's an excuse to put away my phone. And so it's an excuse to limit my options at any given time and thus focus on one thing for an extended period. Yeah. Um, and so adding things to gamers plane that allow you to monopolize on one, the few minutes that a people have. So, you know, that PWA thing that I was talking about earlier, making it easier to use gamers plane on a phone. That's one of those things. The cell phones, tablets, mobile laptops, those are the next change in technology. And, you know, should we ever get to VR? I, I will say, um, I saw this on Kickstarter a while ago. I should have kickstarted it. I didn't end up doing so. I saw someone that built a, uh, I guess you could call it like a VR first interface where the idea was you created a digital table with digital avatars that looked like, you know, MMO characters essentially sitting around a table and they moved minis on a, ta a virtual mm -hmm. table which was kind of a neat concept of like, okay, you have your roll 20 where you just have a virtual table. And then you have your virtual games where like you're playing your avatar doing things. But this was the middle where you are playing your avatar doing virtual things, which I like. Um, and I think like that's a good evolution in, in uh, extended period gaming. What is the equivalent of that in asynchronous gaming. And so, like I said, chat, I think is one of those things. I think gamers playing needs notifications that I think is gonna be one of those things. Oh, I have 30 seconds, someone just posted, let me respond. Um, I'm not sure what else it is. And honestly, I think it's the community that's gonna tell me what it is and then I'm just gonna build it. Um, like, I, I can't talk to people. Like, I can, gamers, the vast majority of what has had to happen to gamers playing over the last like six years has not been my doing. Uh, you know, I say this constantly on the forums and on Discord. Gamers playing, I started gamers playing, but gamers playing isn't my site. Uh, gamers playing is like all the users' site. I'm just the guy that's kind of like continuing it on, like, I'm basically like the most stable component of it in a sense that like, when people are say, I, you know, we need this feature. I'm like, oh yeah, I never thought of that. That's a really good point. I don't know how many times like someone's been like, hey, can you do this? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know why I didn't in the first place. Like that makes perfect sense now that you've said it. I just never thought of it. Um, so like, I do appreciate that a whole bunch of people have started to, you know, um, help out with the digital side. Uh, you know, we have um, Adam who has been doing a lot. Uh, Adam has been doing, uh, so anyone who's been like really happy with a whole bunch of the recent bug fixes, Adam, give him all the credit. Like I've, I, he does like 95% of it. And then I just fix a couple of things. Um, Vague GM has been helping me with like server side stuff. Um, you know, we've had a couple of people that have just been helping me with the technicalities. But beyond the technicalities, like you said, the site is not, the site is just the interface where people are connecting. Like the site only exists because everyone wants to play a game and is there playing it. Um, I'm doing very little in the way of that. Like it's everyone else doing that. Yeah, I, I, I've said this in a prior video in that um, I often think of obstacles for my players in games. I'm like, okay, well, 
here's an obstacle. I just put it in front of them. I have no idea how they're going to solve it. I don't actually think it out ahead of time, right? Because for the main reason is that they're not going to do what I think they're going to do, first of all. And second, four or five or six people are going to come up with way more ideas than I am. I mean, I'm a smart guy, but I'm not six people, right? And so yeah. like, when you say farming out ideas to the community and they say, well, how about this? And I go, I never thought of that. Well, that's because, you know, you're one guy, you're one person. And um, yeah, I think we're farming, farming each other for great ideas and best practices. Yeah, like, you know, I, I look at it in a lot of ways. Like I do a lot of, I guess you could say consulting um, for websites because you know, in the same way how not everyone is a doctor or a lawyer or, uh, you know, a trash a garbage man or, uh, you know, any field, really. Everyone specializes into their field, basically. Like, someone who works in fast food knows how to deal with people better than probably most other people do. <laughs> um, you know, I, I remember seeing, I don't know if it was a joke or not, but someone was commenting how, like, just how, you know, every country needs a whole bunch of things in order for work, uh, for it to work. Everyone should go into customer service at some point. Um, and I'm like, I salute everyone who has, and I know I couldn't do it. Um, but I, my specialty is technology. I know how to build websites. I know how to take non-technical ideas and turn them into technical things. Um, it's probably the number one reason my career has done as well as it has. Uh, I know how to build a website. I know how to build a website. I know how to play RPGs and I know how to bring those two things together. Other people might not know how to build a website. And so like, if someone has an idea of like, hey, I'd like, to, I, anytime someone goes like, oh, this sounds really complicated and I hope it isn't too technically like infeasible. I'm like, nope, that sounds actually pretty easy, but <laughs> it's only easy because I know how to do it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, like, this is again why I say like everyone else is building the site. Everyone else is like these features, right? Everyone's coming up with them. I just know how to convert the non-technical into a technical. One of the questions, um, I'm gonna completely shift gears here. Yeah. Uh, I discovered many years ago that, you know, most of my ancestry is from the British Isles. Like, okay. I, I did some DNA testing and it's like all British Isles, like there's nothing <laughs> else, right? I'm like, oh, I thought for sure I had some Native American in me um, for, for various reasons, but it turns, no, I don't. So, but in the 90s, I became really fascinated by, you know, Arthurian mythos, you know, King Arthur mm -hmm. and um, Celtic culture and that sort of thing, or Celtic history, not culture. Yeah. And um, so, uh, no, that that has a great analog into D and D, which is largely, you know, European medieval yeah. type, for the most part. So you're from South Asia, yes, and like you were you were born there, as I understand it. I was actually born in Germany, Germany. Um, but my family is from India. Yeah. Okay. So um, India's got you know probably one of, I'd have to say one of the richest cultural tapestries that I can think of. It's just, there's, you know, 40 or 50 different languages. 
Hindi and and uh, and the Muslim people get a big, you know, get a lot of popularity, but there's so much more going on there, right? Yeah, yeah. India is very unique in the sense that compared to a lot of other countries, um, I'm going to screw up stuff here, and so someone who's more aware of Indian heritage than I am is probably going to comment. But uh, so traditionally, India has been very much of a live and let live culture. And so India has been invaded a lot um, throughout the centuries it's existed, uh, the millennia it's existed. Um, and it's always been a very big thing of, oh, you want to take over? Cool. As long as we get to do what we want, yeah, you, you can lead and we're just going to like be here. Um, and so it's only really been when people have come, come over and like tried to radically change everything that Indians have been like, no, nah, I'm not, I'm like, no, I, I'm doing my thing here. Just like, leave me alone. Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of led to this thing. And with the geography, it's led to this thing where like, you know, oh, someone invaded North India. Well, they brought elements of their culture in. Oh, someone came into the South. Well, now there's elements of that culture here. And so everything has evolved in a way where like two villages that are near each other, but not close can diverge radically. Um, you'll still see underlying elements that are very much the same, but their expressions and their mythos and like how it plays together can be very, very different. Um, even to your point, languages, right? India actually has hundreds of languages because two villages can diverge significantly with enough time between them. Um, I have... I, like I think alluding to where you're getting to, two of the most interesting projects I've seen in Kickstarter in a long time. One was an African RPG. Um, it was an RPG based on traditional African mythos. I found that absolutely fascinating. I don't know if it's been released yet and if it has, I need to find it. Um, another was an attempt, and I don't know if it ever actually came through, was an attempt at Indian mythos, uh, an Indian mythos RPG. And um, I know there was an Indian mythos board game that happened recently. I didn't end up kickstarting it. It didn't seem like my style, but I loved the game. Um, I'm super fascinated by uh, playing in mythos from different cultures. Like you brought up Celtic. Um, I, I, I love like the mythology, the more traditional mythology from like the Irish side, from the Welsh side. I think it's very different from, like you said, the Arthurian kind of uh, ideas. Um, in the same way, uh, Russian history, oh gosh, like <laughs> Russian mythos is so wild. Uh, I think it's fascinating. The idea of a genie from um, European culture versus the original djinn, right? Like I, I'm never gonna be the person to make the Indian RPG, yeah. but I love the idea of it. And, you know, if someone ever goes like, hey, I want to make like a multicultural, and people have done this. I, I, I actually consulted on Jainism for an RPG at one point, uh, <laughs> which I thought was really cool. Uh, but yeah, like, oh gosh, it's, the mythos is so wild out there that, uh, yeah, there's really no way to put it down. Yeah, well, and, that, and that's the interesting thing is one of my longstanding goals has been to play a North American um, First Nations uh, game, right? Now, where this, where this goes off the rails is there, 
there are 500 unique cultures. I mean, 500. So how do you say, okay, well, we're going to make a Sioux presence and we're going to make a Lakota presence and we're going to make a, uh, um, you know, and, and then skip everybody else? How do yeah. you it's definitely a really tough question and one that I, yeah, I mean, I can definitely see. And I think from my perspective, right, like, yeah, there are a lot of Indians in North America at this point, but, um, you know, we're still in a sense kind of a minority, especially in the way that Indian culture isn't really represented in the U.S. Um, we're seeing it a little more now in like music, but, you know, I, I always comment that, uh, if you see an Indian person in a movie, odds are they're playing an Arabic terrorist, they're playing a Middle Eastern businessman, or they're playing an Indian IT guy. Like there are predetermined roles that an Indian person is playing for the most part. Um, and so that seems like when I, when I found out that someone was doing an RPG where a particular group was being inspired by Jainism, and Jainism is probably one of the smallest religions in the world. Like there, there can't be more than 12 to 15 million in the world. Um, I was really honored, right? Like I don't even follow Jainism anymore. It's still a very strong component of my personal being, but I'm not religious anymore. Um, I'm more uh, pract uh, not, I'm a non-practicing Jain basically. Now, Jainism is largely about um, respect for all life, even insect and plant, right? Yeah, it, it. there are five core tenets to Jainism and all five of them revolve around the concept of nonviolence. Yeah. And so it's nonviolence physically, nonviolence mentally, nonviolence to others, nonviolence to self. Um, like you can't get along in the world without, and, and so like nonviolence to others in a sense is respect, right? Because you don't wanna hurt people with words or with physical action. Um, yeah, so that's the core of what Jainism is. Um, and so, yeah, I found out about this culture, like this guy was building this RPG and he wanted this group that they were going to have no warriors. They were going to have no combat ability, essentially, not because they were cowardly or anything like that, which is something that I do see in other places, but like they were choosing nonviolence over everything else. Um, and you could make the argument that, well, yeah, there are other Indian cultures they didn't represent and things like that. But like you said, there are so many. How do you represent them all? Yeah. And I don't think you can. And I think it's more about how do you do right by them? And yeah. if you're choosing to bring elements of their culture in, don't do it from an external point of view. Uh, there are plenty of Indians in RPGs. I don't, you know, like every time I go to a convention and I see Indians, I'm like, Yes, this is great. Every time I, you know, every time basically I see non-white folk, I'm like, this is fantastic. Like, I'd love to see more diversity. Um, I, you know, there's a lot of women-led uh, um, podcasts out there. I think that's fantastic. Uh, there's, I forget the name of it, but there's an Asians in RPGs, in tabletop RPGs podcast, which I think is really cool. Mm -hmm. um, I think that when you're representing a culture other than your own, it's not about, oh, how do I get the diversity in there? Because we could go that same way, right? Like, are the French really represented much in RPGs as French? I don't think so. Are the French represented in there in the sense that we see how, you know, so I know that 
uh, a lot of French combat metho uh, methodology revolved around pole arms. And so like we see pole arms, we see the idea of like how the French would play in, in medieval fantasy. Um, in the same way, if you want to do something that revolves around like South Southern or Southeast Asian culture, you're not going to be able to do Gujaratis and Tamils and, uh, you know, Maharashtrians and all the different groups. But what you might be able to do is like, okay, um, right. So in South India, there's a lot of fish. So let's have them focus around water. Okay. So these groups are going to focus around water and, you know, they're going to wear this kind of jewelry and this kind of clothing. Um, and then, you know, we're also, you know, I like the idea that Punjabi folk do this. So we're also going to add this element in there. And it's not so much like, how do I take every group? But it's more like, how do I do right by the fact that these groups exist and they're different? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, there's a Kickstarter that I'm waiting for delivery on called Coyote and Crow. Yeah. Now they are all actually Native American designers. And yeah. in Canada, we call them First Nations rather than yes. Native Americans. Getting more popular yeah. in the U.S. as well, First Nation. So the first, the, uh, so almost all the designers, almost all the writers, top to bottom, they have a few people outside of that, that, you know, mm -hmm. branch of 500 communities that, uh, that are helping them out as well. But part of their goal was largely to, how do we make it easy for you to take your own represent, your neighbor or your, or your own um, nation and add them into the game? And so I think what they've, they're trying to build is, um, a core skeletal structure that you can say, okay, well, I belong to, um, you know, the, the blood nation in Western Canada or one of the blood nations. And this is how I can add my um, cultures, tenets and beliefs structure into the system, right? How do we make that easy for them? And so you, like you said, you don't need to, you, maybe you focus on a few of the big ones, and then you give them the tool, give everybody the tools to add to it. Yeah, and I, I think ultimately too, it's about spreading word, right? You know, I think one thing that we've seen come up in the last few years has been this idea of giving people of color space to speak, right? And um, an important part of that, you know, in the same way, like if if I met someone who was like well versed in European history. I, like, I, I tend to know a bit, right? I, I don't consider myself a historian, but I read a lot. I like diving into rabbit holes. Um, I can answer questions uh, broadly. I'm not going to argue with a historian about, like, Germanic fighting styles. Yeah. Uh, it, it's not my place to talk about it. Like, why would I? Um, I'm not even going to argue with most Indians about, like, Indian history because, I, I mean, I grew up in the U.S. I know a fair deal, but... I can talk about Jainism more than I can Hinduism. I'm not gonna try to tell a Hindu that like, hey, you know, I read this thing. Like, I'm gonna assume they know more than I do about Hinduism. In the same way, like, if we're going to build more culturally diverse games and in that way have more fun with them because quite honestly, I'm so looking forward to uh, Coyote and Crow. Like I saw that, I retweeted it the instant I saw it because like, it seems so fascinating. Um, in the same way, the the African game that I saw, like I'm really looking forward to that because 
we're stepping away from these systems that have been established for a long time. We're introducing new ideas and doing that is only going to make our games better. Like either those ideas are going to be great and we're going to implement them in new ways or they're going to suck and we're going to like know what we shouldn't do. And I'm hoping neither of the games suck, mind you. Just, you know, as an example, good ideas are valuable, bad ideas are valuable and you can only improve by taking it all together. Yeah, I don't know which, uh, there's a couple African games. Um, one of them I'm play testing, sort of. It's called uh, Wagaboo Chronicles. So, so it's a fifth edition setting, fifth edition D&D setting, but it's set entirely, what it actually is, is they're, gonna, they're building an MMO. And yeah. as on the side of it, they're like, well, let's, we also play tabletop games. Let's build everything we can in order to make this gameable in fifth edition and so um so the the um adventure book which is like 150 pages long a lot of it is just okay here's different ways to think of cultures and so instead of a barbarian we'll have you know here's a different name and and so they just took but they took all the features and said okay let's make african themed variants for and here's our sources of our of where we're coming from in our cultures here's yeah. where, here's here's an here's like eight or nine different cultures in a in a family that we've liberally taken from in order to um, populate this new culture i like that yeah like you know it kind of reminds me of i when people ask me to ask me questions about jainism and i give the hindi word and I go, the closest thing I can translate it to is this, right? Concepts, like you just said, concepts are such a, it's really important to remember that how you conceptualize something is based around your culture and other cultures won't have that same exact thing. Uh, an easy example, in Hindi, we have the same word for yesterday and tomorrow. You know which one you're talking about by the context that you use it in, but I find it really fascinating that the same word is used for yesterday and tomorrow. And you have to consider how did that come about? They clearly didn't see as clear a distinction between those two concepts yeah. as we do in the Western world. And yeah. like, the yeah. Whole, <laughs> the whole cyclical nature of time concept yeah. you know, leads it, to that. And it, uh, it's such a simple thing that like is easy to miss. But I think, you know, like you said, sometimes you have to step away from how you see an idea and you have to consider how someone else is seeing that idea in order to really implement it in a way that's honest to who they are. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> well, um, we have, we've gone like an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> it's been fantastic conversation honestly like yeah, yeah i love it yeah i'm surprised how often these just you know um i i really do have to get around to uh starting that podcast idea that i keep tossing around because it's much the same as what you're talking about now um like it's so easy to fall into conversation with people and just like hear their viewpoints and like go back and forth and i yeah it's it's fantastic Thank you so much for like having set this up too. Yeah, and you you used the term imposter syndrome on Discord today, and I'm a I, I own that term, right? And but 
but I don't, I'm not weighed down by it, right? So one of my core beliefs under into this Gamers Explain channel is that I'm going to start this. No, but I'm just kicking the ball forward. And I hope that people that have actual talent and, uh, and you know, and, and really, you know, strong video editing skills and, and what have you, um, take this because I don't think there's any play by post podcasts out there. Maybe there are. I, I don't listen to podcasts. People, people have tried to turn play by posts into actual plays. Yeah. Um, those so far that I've seen haven't really gone too far. But this is the first of this style that I've seen. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I think thanks to Gamers Plane, I've seen my fair share of a lot of different styles of podcasts, videocasts, streams. Uh, you know, this, this idea of interviewing people from the site um, is, I think, very unique. And honestly, like you're, you're talking, you know, uh, talking about how like someone with more skill, I'm like, nah, you know what? Like, this is something I think that I've also learned over time is you get the skill by doing it. Yeah. And I think you've done a fantastic job so far uh, in all of yours. Yeah. One, one thing that I've really glad that people, you know, that leapt onto is this idea that we can talk about um, things of interest to us about play by post gaming. Like let's sit down and talk really hard about um, what systems seem to really work well in play by post and which ones are more of a struggle. And, yeah. um, and I've tried to keep it positive. And I think that's partially your influence, which has led to an influence on gamers playing. And then on to me is that as long as we build to, um, as long as we build and not tear down um, it just, everything seems to be a lot more fun to involve in. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, like I, you know, I think growing up in Jainism, I strongly believe, you know, I, I know there's a Western version of the story, but there's the, the blind men and the elephant, right? The idea that everyone sees something in a different way. Uh, Jainism has a word for that, anakantvad. Uh, the idea that everyone has a different viewpoint and you can't understand the world until you understand their viewpoints as well. Um, which is not to say you have to agree with everyone. It's not to say that you have to like fall into that viewpoint, but we, especially as gamers, I think are in the unique situation of we step into different roles quite readily and quite easily. Um, and sure, we all have our favorite roles to play. Um, but very few people are like, I am never going to go away from this one particular thing that I do. I think everyone is always looking for a change. And so we as gamers have the unique opportunity to influence that change within our community and take that change outside of our community as well. And so, yeah, like I'm super grateful every time I talk about gamers playing that the community has built up in a way that has been positive. That, you know, I, I, I don't remember who the admins were at this time and I'm sure they will remember, I'm sure some of them will remember me having to make my first ban was like, the feature didn't exist. We had someone and I was like, crap, we can't let this person stay on the site. 
I have to build a band feature. And this was years into the site, right? I love the fact that it took years before I had to build a band feature. Yeah. I love the fact that people have been positive and, you know, understanding of my limitations with the site and everything else. And, you know, I, I will, I've said it before. Everyone has always just like commented against it. And I will, but I will continue to say like, I'm thankful for everyone having understood what has gone into building the site. Um, you know, the fact that it is not where we'd all want it to be, but that it is where it can be. I will continue to do my best to try to improve it. Um, you know, like I've said, I'm, I have a good therapist now that's kind of pushing me in good directions. Uh, so I'm, I'm working on like, uh, working on, I'm working at working on things. Um, but yeah, I mean, the site exists for everyone. And as long as people are like, I think the way you put it is fantastic. As long as everyone's building, right? As long as we're building a community and we're building a site and we're building games and we're building experiences, the site can't go wrong, right? Like yeah. it can't. Yeah, thing, things can go wrong. We, um, I've been involved in games and sometimes even current games are just on their way out. And it's like, this isn't working out. We're just not, it's just not working out. And so we have to wind it down and do so in a way that you don't point fingers and say, oh, it's your fault. If you would have done everything better or if this feature existed or that, you know, nothing, nothing like that. It's just occasionally your ideas um, from the beginning diverge, or maybe the GM, like yeah. me, hasn't um, thought things through or put in the effort required to really engage the players enough into the game. There's all kinds of different ways things go wrong. And, um, but we keep coming, right? You keep coming back. We learn from each other. Yep. And we try again. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's, you know, I've said this before, Gamers Plane will exist, right? I, in, we've made comments about like people donating and things. Um, I, Gamers Plane will exist as long as I have money, right? I, I want this site to be a place where people can get away, where people can learn, where people can grow. And honestly, like with the positive community, where people can kind of just feel free to be a little more themselves too, because I mean, I can definitely say that I don't, I often don't feel like I can be the core of who I am. Um, and so I relish the opportunities where I can just kind of be. Um, and if Gamers Plane lets that happen for even one person, no amount of money I put into it could be enough for that. Uh, yeah, like gamers playing exists for the people who are playing it. And as long as there are people who want to use it, who want to build, yeah, I will make sure it exists. Yeah, I know I know have a, a number of friends in my real life that are um, you know transitioning from one gender to another. And they that comes with all kinds of baggage in real life. Like there's there's physical appearance issues, there's the, the, the baggage of all the people that you that knew you knew the old you or thought they did right and one of the um, huge things on gamers plane that I've really um, I really appreciate that happens is that 
people can say who they want to be. They can be that person and they can just explore that aspect, right? If you want to, if you want to teach yourself what it is to be the person you want to be, what better community than, um, than a friendly community that, that yep. doesn't, doesn't see you, see who you currently are. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, I think that's a great thing virtually. And like I said, I think that's one of those things that we as gamers can take out of our virtual environments. And I love that cons are so accepting as well, yeah. um, at least for the most part, I hope, uh, at least the cons I go to. And like, yeah, if someone needs to, this came up on the admins, like sometimes someone just needs to make a new account because they're like, I'm not this person anymore. Yeah. And that's okay. Like yeah. everyone should feel free to be who they are when they want to be as long as what you're doing isn't interfering with someone else's life as well. Yeah. And like, yeah, that's all I, that's, that's all I can hope from gamers playing that it <laughs> lets people be. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. And that's such a powerful part of the, that whole meta game of that whole meta social space that's outside of the game itself. Right. It's not anything to do with the code base that you've written and it has nothing to do with really um, the games that we're creating. It's just, it's this meeting of minds through an interface. And yeah, it's pretty powerful. I love, I love it. But I think, you know, one of the things that we can touch on again, and we, we always come back to this idea of community is that I think if you go to some other sites, play-by-post sites, my understanding is that there isn't really a community like people will create games and they'll maybe you run into people now and again. That's uh, been my experience too. Yeah. That it's kind of, the games are separated from the community and when they do have forums and stuff, they aren't directly connected to the games. Um, yeah. And that's something I've, uh, you know, like that, like I said earlier, the avatar feature, that's one of the reasons why, like when you make an avatar yeah. or post as an avatar, your character still shows or your username still shows because you are your character. You cannot separate a person from their character. Yeah. So there's a, an intense um, shame culture, not, not shame, personal responsibility, but through shame as well as that. Yeah. If you misbehave on the internet through an anonymous account, there's no feedback, right? There's no way that this comes back to you. There's no, so there's no real need to self-mitigate. Whereas by, like you said, attaching your username, which is totally made up, to your character name, which is totally made up, there's a constant, right? There's a constant, so there's a reputation. And that reputation, um, sometimes it goes off the rails and maybe you need to make a new account. <laughs> but um, that reputation, I think it moderates behavior. And, and to your point, actually, even if you make a new account, if that new account is well-behaved, you are a new person. Right? Like you can be who you choose to be. And if you choose to be negative online, I honestly believe it comes back because I think people have less tolerance for it online, um, thanks to the anonymity. Um, but likewise, if you were a negative person and you came back as a positive person, I don't know the difference. Like, you just came back as a positive person. You are a positive person as far as I know. So yeah. it doesn't matter really. Yeah, yeah. And so like, 
yeah, I, you know, I've always been very strict about, um, you know, homophobia, about misogyny, about negative attitudes against groups of people. Um, you want to dislike someone for something they personally have done. That's personal responsibility. You want to dislike someone for the conceptualizations about what a type of person is. I don't find that acceptable. Um, and, you know, we've even had, we've had admins make comments that I've shot down. Um, we've had longtime players make comments that I've shot down. Like, I don't care whether you've been here 25 minutes or you were here on day one. Um, if you are here, you are here to enhance the community, not detract from it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that idea and that community comes up from us getting to know each other. And so yeah. I'm hoping that this video, um, I'll get to meet a whole bunch more of you. I hope so too. Yeah. I, I think this will be fantastic. And like I said, I, yeah, I will say you have inspired me to like continue on with my own podcast idea because after you started this up is when I kind of started getting back in the idea of like, all right, I can, I can do my own. I can, I can get this going. Yeah. Yeah. So when I first got this idea, I was just walking along one day and then suddenly my eyes went wide and I'm like, and I just couldn't shake the idea yeah. that like, I don't, I've never interviewed anybody in my life. Right. And, um, and maybe that shows in the first three interviews. <laughs> so I had to teach, it's a skill I had to learn. I had to, I had to teach myself. Right. Um, but I w it wasn't happening with other people not doing it, so. <laughs> it, it definitely, I think like having done it in the community definitely helps too, because we can, I think there's a, it's fair to say we can expect something from each other on Gamers Plane. Um, and I think we've done a pretty good job as a community of maintaining those expectations. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, and it's certainly a place that, um, um, <clears throat> there's a wide range of diverse opinions, people from all kinds of religious, political, and uh, cultural backgrounds that are widely at odds. And yet, um, we find ways to make it all work. And, yes. and a part of that is just a, a respect and, and yeah. an attitude for generally good behavior. Absolutely. I fully agree with that. Yeah. All right. Well, um, you probably hear it a lot, but thanks for, uh, taking, you know, several thousand hours of my life away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to have been of help. Uh <laughs> no, but seriously, like the, um, the idea of being able to play so many different games, I've said it before, but like you said, you want to try new things. You want to try diverse things. I recently added up all the games I think I've played on Gamers Plane, and there's almost 80, almost 80 different role-playing game systems. And, you know, that's counting, you know, each game system as a, as a unique count, not that I've played Savage World six times, so it counts six what? times. There's individual game systems. Oh, I expect your game count to be way above 80. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, for, yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah, that's individual systems I've tried as a player. I think I've run a few more. <laughs> as wow. A that I've never played. 
that's pretty awesome. That is really awesome. Yeah, and and as I've said in prior videos, in uh, real life, we tend to go for my game troops, go for long campaigns, a couple years, even six months, something. You don't try very many games that way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a strong power to uh, one-shots and to be able to play multiple things at the same time as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I totally get that. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for your time and for all the effort you put in. Thank you for um, having me. Yeah. I'd like to remind viewers that um, um, while Kaleth does not ask for money, there is a <laughs> there is a donate button on the bottom right-hand corner of the page, and uh, you can do one-time donations through PayPal or which processes credit card payments as well, or you can do recurring donations, and even small amounts add up when there's dozens, if not scores, of people doing that. So. I will add the caveat. Please don't donate if you don't need to. As I always say, the site doesn't need money. Money just helps get other things added. I would hate to be the person who's like, you will never need to pay for the site. You will never need to do anything like that. If you want to help, great. But yeah. Yeah. A number of people when I was reaching out for questions to ask you um, brought up the, the donations issue. And one of them actually said, is there a way or is there a cause that we could fundraise for? Is there something that you need, something that you wouldn't um, jump into feet first without a pool of people putting their, their money where their mouths are? Uh, honestly, no. Um, I think especially, again, like I've said, I've been very lucky to have the success in my career as I have. Yeah. Um, I am honestly the person who will like, see a GoFundMe and then like drop a hundred because I can. Um, I will say that uh, there are like, I'd be happy to put together like RPG or gaming related charities that I'm a fan of um, that people can put towards if they feel so inclined. Um, likewise, one project that unfortunately fell apart that I would like to revive uh, at one point, which might be easier with a group of people if people want to help me on it, is um, roll for, not, not roll for change. Um, oh Second, gosh, I can't, first life? other one that I worked on. That's, what was it called? Something Life or? Yeah, I can't remember the name of it now. Uh, so I worked on a couple of groups that were trying to basically do a thing where we raise money for charities via role-playing games. Yeah. Um, and uh, the, I, I know the reason the last one kind of fell apart and I would love to start that one up again um, as soon as I can remember what it's called too. And because I came up with a pretty nice logo for it. So I was pretty happy with that. Um, but yeah, like I think that we as gamers have a lot of opportunity to do more influential work. Um, I think the thing that we lack is a mechanism. I'm happy to be the mechanism if people can help me like get it going. Um, so I, we can start up a thread on the site to, uh, to kind of kick that off. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, thanks again for everything you do and for, uh, giving me two hours of your time. <laughs> thanks so much for having me. And I honestly didn't notice two hours had passed. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, everybody, this has been, um, 
the season finale of season one of Gamers Explained, but I'm sure there's more to come next season, which may start weeks or months from now. Who knows? <laughs> so thank you, Kelleth, for joining me, Krolak, on Gamers Explained. Well, thank you, Kelleth, for joining me today on Gamers Explained. Um, this will be the end of season one. I don't know what that means. I don't know when season two will start. <laughs> Could probably start next week, but I don't know. Um, <clears throat> I think I'm going to take some time and evaluate what we've done this season. I had some great interviews and we've started some excellent dialogues. And are we going to just do more of that? Are we going to focus more on topics where I revisit old friends and old new friends and have some focused conversations on things that we specifically have an, in, have an interest? I think I'm leaning more towards that where um, there's a lot we could talk about specifically in the details of how Play My Post works what we're all getting from and how do we make it better? How do we improve it? And even better, how do we do things that we haven't thought of about doing before, but maybe someone else has. So thank you everybody for, for joining me on this um, interesting um, project that I've come up with. Um, 14 episodes, something like, I have no idea what that is, maybe 16, 20 hours of recorded content um, and, you know, more than a thousand views and several hundred hours of people actually watching it, which is pretty amazing. So thanks to everybody that has given me any of your time and hopefully um, we can do more of it. Again, this is Krolok and this, this is the end of season one of Gamers Explain.